there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. Do you use lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles Town, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. This is episode number 49, Narrative War and Supply Chains Beat Nick Cornell. Today's Wednesday, the 8th of June, 2022. I'm Jeremy. Jet is producing, as always, uh, that one's for the YouTube commenters. And uh, guest today is Nick Cornell, who is a RBTC regular he described himself to me just before as just some guy and uh loves loves bitcoin cash and he's going to tell us about how the world supply chains are all completely fucked at the moment uh hopefully because that's an industry i don't know much about so yeah welcome to the show nick how'd you get into bitcoin thanks for having me guys um i got into bitcoin uh, i've been in crypto since 2017 but with the um with the pandemic it kind of gave me so much time to really dive into what Bitcoin is um, and allowed me kind of to do my own research. And I kind of saw through the narrative um, bullshit that you see happening with Bitcoin and the narrative they were trying to push. Um, I started doing my own research and that led me to the, to the RBTC uh, subreddit and went down the rabbit hole from there. Um, and now I'm on the podcast. So here we are. <laughs> One thing leads to another, <laughs> you know, and it's yeah, a very, it, well, it's a, it's a very weird you know community that one on on rbdc because it is it is so hardcore and it's so sort of inside baseball like the whole thing i often i often feel when you just i i don't know it, it kind of attracts people who, who who like it that way right the people come in and they have a couple of questions about crypto and you get you get very good answers but i think it's a bit bewildering for a lot of new users when they come in and they ask some sort of question like oh how do what does my wallet seed phrase mean or something like that and they'll get this combo answers where it's really detailed and in-depth but it's also like and you also need to know that bitcoin is a scam and bitcoin cash is the true one and (laughs) there's kind of this whole underlying uh bch and then and then it's why is this subreddit called rbdc when everybody loves bitcoin cash and why is the header green and then i've got now the link that i just copy paste to them from the faq that explains it all and yeah it's just a very interesting uh subreddit so anybody who's going on reddit.com slash r slash bdc make sure you download the res reddit enhancement suite extension because that will help you figure out who's who's legit and who's not because uh otherwise yeah it's just a, a mess basically uh, yeah lots of bots lots lots of misinformation and yeah and i mean that's that's anywhere on the internet but especially around bitcoin um yeah so finding the, the rbtc guys um it's i mean it's like shining a light um and we all just want to find the truth and the path um to the global reserve currency of the world uh, what Bitcoin started out as, and yeah, it's it's sad to see the manipulation, but 
you do your own research, it all kind of adds up and makes sense in the global scheme of things. Do you think we're do you think we're getting there? Are we are we slowly chip because I sort of feel it's a one it's sort of a one way journey towards the truth, basically, where people start off hating crypto or not knowing anything about it and then they learn okay it can have some value and then they learn okay there's a community and then they learn okay there's all these different scams and then da 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 and people move along it at their own pace you know especially some of the very high profile people it's very interesting to watch like elon musk has been a classic or michael saylor or any of these other sort of talking heads they might spend years a lot of these btc influences they literally spend years in the kind of third last or second last step of like oh yeah bitcoin is great and everything and just at some point they're going to get over that that hurdle but it's, it's kind of a one-way transition right people don't find our bdc and then go back to our bitcoin they just don't do it no they do not no they do not so in that in that sense we have inevitability on our on our side that's that's how i feel about well it. and All that's right. yeah go on I was just gonna say that's the beauty of, of the of the community. Like, we uh, we don't want the the bullshit narrative. We want the truth. We want the real thing. Um, and so, yeah, once you you know get green pilled, if, if if you will, you uh you, you don't go back. I mean, it, you see through the lies, and it's hard for me to. I mean, I own a little bit of Bitcoin, but um, you know, it, it it's hard to go back and trust that that whole community because you see all the lies and deception that's going on. And then here we are today with. I mean, we get into the whole pandemic and, and everything that's going on with the supply chains. And it's all just a, a charade um, mm. to kind of push the narrative. They, they, they bought their tickets and they got on the train and some of them are never getting off, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> you know, it's they made their bed and they're laying in it. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't we don't need everyone. That's what that's what gives me hope. Um, yeah, it's really kind of comes down to. Uh, just an intolerant minority we've talked about a bunch on on the on this show right but even as much as five or ten million people worldwide who were actually genuinely plugged into the bth economy and actually transacting and trading with it that is more than enough to start a, a economic sort of vortex that will just suck in everything else through through economic uh reality so we we, we don't need to get to seven billion the last six and a half billion come for free basically so yeah uh yeah it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of hazy uh there's a lot of smoke and a lot of uh misdirection but slowly just that foundation of people is just is just building up step by step and and that's uh that's kind of what it's all about i guess so all right price today we've got to talk about it uh crypto markets not doing much was my headline 185 dollars and 57 cents bch still in the sort of bear market grind down uh one bdc buys 169 bch bdc was just having a particularly good day today that's a little bit up uh i i would guess you're not a big uh price is everything type of guy <laughs> most people no. tend not to be in uh bitcoin cash but tell us how do you how do you how do you manage volatility do you speculate do you have a bunch of different coins is it just bitcoin cash how do, how do you ride the markets um, majority of my portfolio is, is Bitcoin Cash, um, and I've got some chain as well. Um, but I mean, it, I don't see price as an issue right now because we haven't hit market adoption. Um, we haven't. I mean, it's not mainstream. It's not you know, it, it it's not Bitcoin in terms of um, the um, the pedestal that that's on. 
So once we get to that point, I mean, yeah, when we go from, you know, 69 grand, like Bitcoin did down to 30 grand, that's a huge swing. But I mean, we're still relatively um, unknown and the people that are using it, you know, it, you can use Bitcoin Cash smartly to where you're not going to lose money. You know, you, you convert your fiat to Bitcoin Cash and spend it um, instantly. Um, and there's no risk to the user as far as losing out on on those gains. And that's how I kind of how I see Bitcoin Cash growing is you start doing that, people converting and spending and using um, as it's supposed to be and not this whole hodl mentality where you're just, you're buying and amassing um, and hoping for the price to go up. Um, I mean, I think the price of Bitcoin Cash is going to go up and that's that's why I have it in my portfolio, but um, it, it's not a factor for me. I'm not looking to cash out today and, and go buy a house. I'm not going to miss my car payment because Bitcoin Cash goes to, even if it goes to a dollar, I'm just going to have a job. I'm going to keep buying some. Um, so no, it, it doesn't reflect to me. And the whole misconception on market cap um, really kind of drives me nuts because people people look at the market cap and go, you know, Bitcoin's got an $800 billion market cap. Um, but that doesn't mean $800 billion is actually in Bitcoin. That just means, you know, the price multiplied by the supply. Um, and it's just a huge misconception. So I think it's, I don't, I, can't, I, don't, I don't measure the success of a blockchain based on what the price on a given day. I measure it on the utility. And that's what I invest in and that's what led me to here. That's that's why I own Bitcoin Cash. It's because of the utility, not the price. Yeah, it's certainly a bit of a trap, I think, for for people because on one hand, okay, everyone uses the coin market cap rankings. It is in some sense the best we've got. But on the other hand, yeah, you're you're right. People don't really understand that the dynamics of price being set on the margin, right? So eight hundred billion, that yeah, you that doesn't mean there's eight hundred billion dollars. In fact, you know, $100,000 of people could sell, the market price could plummet if the market's within that day. And then bam, there's your 200 billion wiped out with just a small amount of capital. Of course, it works in both directions, which is why crypto can be so immensely, uh, you know, bullish at times as well too. But people just don't, it's people don't have a good sense of how, how how much real value is accruing in any of these in any of these yeah. uh, things, and I guess that's why it's also helpful to to look at some of the the blockchain metrics. So that's the next one, uh, which we always look at, which is BCH transactions have been been a bit wild this week, uh, or in the last couple of weeks, it, it was chugging along at 50k, then down to about 30k, then rocketed up to 150k. And then back now in the 40k range. So it seems that whatever is going on over the last six months, it seems between 30 and 50,000 transactions per day is genuinely what the BCH community is is using, that there is that much activity. I've sort of personally noticed that I think that the further back you go, the more of it sort of was driven a lot by noise.cash and those tips. But just in my own anecdotal observation, as time goes on, you're seeing more and more the rise of, uh, if you watch any of those transaction visualizers of $5 payments, $10 payments, $100 payments, they're starting to get in the mix more and more. And a few of those 10 cent ones are, are kind of dropping out. Uh, I, don't, I don't think those are related, but that just seems to be what's happening. Do you follow the transaction stats or any blockchain metrics to to get a sense of the utility or do you just look around you no um no i definitely look at the transactions because that directly correlates to the usage of the, of the coin in the blockchain um you know it would be worrying if, if 
we were on a downward trend to zero. Um, but we're not, I mean, we're, we obviously have a, just looking at the, at the, at the chart, we have a consistent usage, um, for the last five years going all the way back to 2017. So, um, you know, people sit here and say, Oh, you know, Bitcoin cash is dead. Well, I mean, 40,000 people, um, or 40,000 transactions says differently. I mean, that's not nothing. Um, and then you look at, you know, Bitcoin, yes, there's a lot more transactions, but I mean, yeah, think about the margin trading that's going on with Bitcoin, the shorting that's going on with Bitcoin. Um, you know, it, you know, it, it, it's not everything, but it is a good clear picture. And to me, I mean, 40,000 transactions is a lot. Um, that's definitely a, a healthy community. That's not nothing. If one person dies tomorrow, we're not going to zero. Um, so no, it's, it, to me, it's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, I, I think that's why I'm really looking forward to if there's some more physical uh, events uh, starting up. And I've seen already a lot of people are so hyped for this uh, Bitcoin Cash, uh, you know, uh, convention might be happening in St. Martin's in, in November because that that will just be an example of putting all the, all the people doing those transactions and stuff into one place where you can actually see it because it's it's a bit disconnected if everybody's just in their individual little place okay they're making some transactions they're buying on purse or they're even if they have local merchants where they trade a, a little bit you hear some of the people like uh, even who are in those cities with with heavy adoption talking about it's actually amazing when you're at a shop and you've just paid in bitcoin cash and then you're sitting down you're drinking a coffee and the next person pays in bitcoin cash too and you can actually see the economy working in front of you right uh and i think yeah the community definitely needs a bit of that because being dispersed it it doesn't it doesn't viscerally impact people as as much as kind of it hopefully will once we once we have a bit more even the merchant adoption videos it's still just one person at a time rather than seeing like look here's 20 people and they just ding 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 ding, ding. they all yeah. they all pay bitcoin cash uh that network effect uh, element of getting getting everyone in the same place, and then we've got. Oh, the, I mean, yeah, go on. I was just going to say the, the Caribbean. Uh, what's happening in, in St. Martin um, with Roger and and everything that's going on down there? I mean, I see that as the real proving ground um, for Bitcoin Cash. I've, I've, I've been to the Caribbean islands. Uh, I haven't been to St. Martin in a while. Um, definitely before Bitcoin Cash, but. I'd love to go back and see what it is now and, and spend some some Bitcoin cash and just see how the market actually works. Because, I mean, in my daily life, it's it, it, living in the States, not a lot of people accept Bitcoin cash. There's ways to get around it, um, but it's still much easier to use the legacy um, banking system. Um, and eventually, you know, it, the goal is to get away from that and get, get off that. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm buying into Bitcoin cash now is to eventually get off because I see that as the future. I don't want to be swiping my credit card or debit card rest of my life i don't think my kids will i don't think they're going to be in the same situation that we're in so it's it's cool to to be on this podcast and be able to talk about it with you guys and i mean because like you said i see this as a history um you know we're, we're really laying the foundation for the future yeah and i think the whole saint martin and saint kitts phenomenon i don't think the the broader market is really reasoning through that appropriately because i've had several several times both on this show and definitely when i meet uh, people in person who really are into bitcoin bdc 
and we kind of have this weird conversation where I say, look, Bitcoin, it's not working. It just isn't. It was not spreading. It's not taking off everywhere. You got you don't go to a shop and see people paying with Bitcoin BTC. Do you understand that that's not that wasn't the idea? That's not a, an economy, right? It's and they say no, but it's happening in El Salvador, and I haven't been to El Salvador, and maybe <laughs> they haven't been to El Salvador, so it's hard between this, or maybe they have been to El Salvador, and maybe they made a couple of transactions on Bitcoin Beach, and they say it it, it was great, right? Uh, we've had you know, uh, examples of that on the show. I'm not saying that it n literally never happens that there aren't people paying with, you know, Bitcoin or lightning network in El Salvador. I'm sure, I'm sure it does happen. And there's some kind of an economy going on there. But on the other hand, sort of objective reports also kind of tend to say, yeah, but there's also a lot of problems. And it seems fairly clear that by now over more than a year or whatever, since the whole Bitcoin law, that it hasn't just taken off and gone viral in the, yeah. in the in the el salvador population right and so then you say yeah but then bitcoin cash has these islands in st martin and st kitts or the bitcoin cash city and then it's, for them it's the opposite case where they can just sort of write that off as yeah okay maybe a couple people are doing it or maybe uh, whatever and i haven't been to either so i'm just going off my analysis of what i can judge from the videos and stuff that i've seen but it truly seems to be a big difference in how how widespread the acceptance is, how many locals are using it, the fact that it's all voluntary, the fact that that and you see there's people in the Bitcoin Cash community who are known for going out and proselytizing to these places and having to support them, and they say, look, these are the problems we're having, and this is what we need to fix. You don't really see that in the Bitcoin BDC community. That how much chatter is there in there about, oh, guys, my merchants are really having these struggles. They no, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't exist. It's, you know, and, and this we'll dig into this later in the podcast, but um, no, it's a total controlled narrative. They, I mean, there's a reason that they're pushing on El Salvador. Um, there's a, you know, there's a reason it's not mainstream in the United States. Um, you know, they, they're, they're trying to use El Salvador as this golden egg. Um, the answer to, to Bitcoin, see it works over here. When in reality, I mean, I don't think El Salvador was, in my opinion, that broken before Bitcoin. Um, they had a payment system that worked. They had an economy that worked. Um, and so in my opinion, I think El Salvador was kind of hijacked into, into Bitcoin um, and kind of forced on the population to be used. And that's not the whole, that's not the point of Bitcoin. It's not the point of a peer-to-peer -peer cash system. It's not to control the population and force people. It's to allow people to have the choice in how they spend their money. Um, you know, if you still want to use dollars because you're, you're an old school dude, like, you know, use it. But Bitcoin has all these advantages to it. And so when you take the, the option away from them and say, hey, you have to use Bitcoin now, um, you know, it, it's, that's a dangerous road to go down. And I mean, they're, they're going down it. They're doing so it. I can yeah. <laughs> they're doing it. We're so finding out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a shout out to Bitcoin Jason, who's just in the chat. He said he, five businesses on border today. That's amazing. And it's just, it's a case of, and that's another thing people don't appreciate too. The fact that the Bitcoin cash community values and fights these battles means they get good at it, right? It's not easy yeah. to no, get not. a business on board. Anybody who has tried to do that, even getting your friend to accept it and pay them back for beers can be a bit of a, a challenge, but an actual business where the owner is worried with a million other things it's 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 a it's a rough uh, battle, but I think the Bitcoin Cash community, it's their 
they're working those uh, muscles. That was the analogy people were using recently is it, they're just the, the community knowledge builds up as well too, because once you have people who have those skills and are well practiced in it, they can spread it onto other people. Look, this is the app we're using. This is the, how you get past this objection. These are the tax laws in this area. This is how you, et cetera, et cetera. And so that, that, that's just this undercurrent of really important groundwork that needs to be laid to actually have a, have a viral moment or to have things, things kick off. And it doesn't happen if there's Max Kaiser and a couple of people in El Salvador with one lightning network merchant just doesn't happen like that. So, yeah. Well, and I want to give a shout out to all the guys that are onboarding people out there, because like you said, it's not easy to do. Um, And I think that's another, um, another, leg up that we have over bitcoin um we have these great people that can communicate the benefits of bitcoin and not in a deceptive way we're not trying to trick anybody if you choose not to use it you choose not to use it but we'll show you the benefits and i mean that's why we're all here today is it makes sense to us and we think it's great um but we have these we have these people in, in our community that go out and do this work and you don't see that in bitcoin you see the crypto bros that just they want the price to go up they all want to buy lambos um, you know, that's their goal. Their goal is just to get rich. They don't, they don't give a shit whether Walmart accepts Bitcoin or not. They, they don't care about that. They only care if it's invested into the interest of raising the price um, versus us. We really just want to spread the adoption and spread people using it. So shout out to everybody that's doing that because, um, I mean, that, that's really what's building the community. And without them, we have a much larger uphill battle. Um, so shout out to all of them. It's also just a community moat, basically, because the fact is that that is hard hard work and so you can't even if you're another community if you're bitcoin bdc or you're any other crypto and you just i'm going to launch my new crypto well it's actually not that simple to get yeah. a, a bunch of people around the world going out and getting merchants on board and then not only do you need to get them on board one time you need to keep going back there you need to keep supporting with it you need to make sure they don't lose their keys then you need to make sure they've got some customers and then you need to build a uh a network effect a, a cycle of those people you're paying into each other and building a bit of an economy and that can be quite fragile right so it can get set back in you, you know you get busy for a couple of weeks and you're not taking care of it and it's like this whole ecosystem but the point is once it starts catching on and once it kicks off then it sticks mega, mega hard because how is anybody else going to compete with that? What other crypto is going to come along and say, hey guys, you should switch to my one. We're already using Bitcoin Cash. Everyone I know is using Bitcoin Cash. We've already out of fiat. So any argument that fiat sucks is already irrelevant to us. And there you go, right? So yeah, if we well, can create I, those hotspots. I'd love to see somebody, two, two onboarders, one for Bitcoin, for BTC, one for BCH, go into a merchant and try to explain and let the merchant decide. Let the merchant actually, you know, use both, give them both and see which one they like. I think that would be a very interesting um, perspective to have because, you know, now it's out of the hands of the influencers. It's out of the hands of the people that are back in the coins and let the, let the people decide. And I mean, we both know that Bitcoin Cash is just vastly more versatile and utility wise than BTC. And the, I mean, that's what led me here. That's why I'm so gung-ho about, about this community is um, we just have what Bitcoin doesn't. Bitcoin shot themselves in the foot and um, seeing it, you know, the, the reason that it's still popular is because we have still have this shadow cast over us with the 
big price point of BTC. Um, but once you actually break it down and start using it, you're like, what, why are we using this? Why, why am I using BTC? It, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And then you have to come up with this, you know, layer two solution and say, well, you know, we have these problems, but here's our solution to it. When the, the thing worked to begin with, like we had a great thing going, that's why I got into crypto was because of Bitcoin and the, the whole idea of the white paper. And we've strayed so far from that. Um, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see a real, real world example of two people going in and displaying, hey, you know, use Bitcoin, use BCH and see what happens. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, we know how that will turn out, but it'd be That's interesting right. to show to, to everybody else. Um, I think that'd be very powerful for people to see and for other merchants, you know, I mean, you know, you can just kind of point to the video. Well, that's right. I mean, maybe the BCH community should challenge the BTC community to that, but there's just not incentive on either side to do it because we know we're going to wreck them and or people are already busy yeah. actually doing it. And then the BTC side, they're not really interested in that or they can just rationalize it away or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't, I, I think it's even though I agree it would be kind of an interesting video there would just be enough ways for either side to write it off as oh but that particular merchant was already a plant or something you know there's it yeah. doesn't matter the, the real world is going to tell if if crypto adoption in the Caribbean just kicks off and in El Salvador it doesn't that'll just be the end of the story basically um at scale and eventually it just gets big enough that you can't you can't you can't hide it um but uh, i don't know there you go so all right and we got our one other stat that we always look at sent in usd yeah really nothing super exciting going on here this week but we check in on it every week so basically the market hasn't been making any any big moves it's been kind of quiet so next uh up we have the breaking news this only came out a couple of hours ago actually senators unveil sweeping crypto regulation plan that would place ancillary assets under the cftc so this is in the united states which is i guess a big deal because it's a sort of cultural leader in all this and has an enormous population and particularly other countries are going to maybe look at this and copy it or it shows a bit of a sea change in in the attitude but senator cynthia lummis from uh, Wyoming, a Republican, and Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, or Gillibrand, Democrat from New York, teamed up on this one. Both of them uh, must be kind of a bit keen on the whole crypto thing, and they are now trying to put in this uh, legislation. It's going to take a while, as these things always do, but the big headline here is, and I quote, their bill would liberate small-scale purchases of goods and services from the mire of tax implications by making it tax-free on transactions less than $200, potentially clearing a path for a cryptocurrency that acts more like a currency, end quote. So that's the BCH special right there. As the real world moves closer and closer to what's actually going on here and not just financial speculation, you know, stuff like de minimis uh, taxation laws are a huge benefit to BCH. That solves the problem for so many people trying to onboard merchants, but it doesn't really do much for everybody trying to hodl on exchanges. Uh, and the other two couple of points about this uh, proposed regulation was that it looks like they're going to be cracking down on stable coins a bit and checking up on their 
reserve assets, obviously, in light of the Luna uh, bust up and stuff, that that makes sense. And I guess to me, it is good to see that those distinctions are being made because if the the actual cryptocurrencies and stable coins are in separate buckets, that's good because if they kind of go nuts on regulating the stable coins, I, I don't really care. And if the free market is left with the free market currencies, then I think that's that's great. And there's also a bit here about the Commodities Future Trading Commission, the CFTC, getting more powers over these so-called ancillary assets, which would be Bitcoin and Ethereum and whatever is a bit more of like regulatory hot potato, whether it's a property or a currency or a commodity or whatever. But I think on average, it sounds like this is a bit more of a win if it's not a security. So... I don't know any oh, thoughts on uh, all this. Yeah, you're the American. Yeah, no, I. Um, no, I mean this is huge. Um, you know, potentially being a tax-free transaction less than two hundred dollars. I mean, that's not something that you hear in America today. Everything is taxed, um, and we'll get into the IMF and and what they're trying to do. I mean, it, it's all it all revolves around tax. So the fact that we've got senators coming forward and want to put forward a bill that would make transactions tax-free. I mean, that is absolutely huge and, you know, acts more like a currency. I mean, that's, that's right up our alley. That's, that's why we got in into all this thing. Um, and so it, I'm interested to see how it plays out because it does directly threaten the, uh, the establishment, the United States, the government, the federal bank. Um, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I don't think it'll be till 2023 that we actually see something signed and enacted. Um, but the fact that we've got people that are you know, elected officials in the United States standing up and saying this, I mean, that's not something we've seen before. Um, so no, this is this is huge. Yeah, I guess there's certainly an element that people can be cynical and say, okay, well, these uh, politicians or whoever whoever have just, they're sort of kind of jumping on the bandwagon, right? They can see that this is a bit of a rising tide, a bit of a populist thing, and, and they will want to get a slice of it. But I'm, I'm not too concerned about that because that's exactly how it should work, right? If the people are all getting into it, then if the politicians jump on, okay, maybe a bit grubby, then maybe they're not the crypto anarchists of old or, or whatever, but it doesn't matter. The job gets done, it gets done. And undoubtedly they've chuck, put some of their own cash into crypto. And so they think, look, let's try and make this uh, work out. Right. Uh, and that's, that's fine. If it, if it gets the job done, it gets it. I don't expect everyone in the world to be the most pure-hearted cryptocurrency adopter. The beauty of the technology is that people kind of get brought along for the ride, whether they're realizing it or not. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess I also think this is this is pretty pretty good sign, pretty bullish sign for for crypto. Yeah, and I mean, this uh, regulation leads to adoption. I mean. You have to you have to have regulation for the big boys to come and play. Um, you know, there's there's still some skepticism around cryptocurrency and what it is. And I mean, I think most people have heard of Bitcoin now, um, but the fact that it's not regulated, um, I mean, there's still scams going on everywhere that you see with the whole Luna uh, crash that we saw, um, and then, you know, Tether. We all know the the charade That's that they're playing happen. there. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think that plays a lot into the price action that we're seeing with Bitcoin. Um, you know, when, when you have a, a, a money printer that is then able to then go and buy Bitcoin, um, you know, that that's obviously going to affect the price. Um, and so I, absolutely, I think we have to have regulation on the stable coins um, to be able to really move forward. And as long as Tether is still playing the game that they're playing, it makes it virtually 
impossible to uh, to move forward because they have such a stranglehold of you know what is it 70 76 billion or something that they have um, in volume or in uh, um, in market cap that's floating yeah. around out there um so it you know it, it definitely needs to happen sooner rather than later so i'm excited for the crash i'm excited for for tether to come tumbling down it's going to be a good day and um, like and you know i'm not like i said i'm not worried about price i'm more worried about the utility and the adoption and um we have to get the the dark entities out of the space to be able to move forward and this is the start of that yeah okay just a reminder again to all listeners that uh, we could be in for several years of bear market. I'm not here selling you on BDC to 100K, go all in, yeah. now, mortgage your house, <laughs> da, 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 da. I like, you guys got to be here for the long run, okay? So just be a little financially uh, conservative and make sure you're uh, working hard on your, your career and stuff too. Don't just YOLO it all into a board ape and call it a day because uh that's that's not really going to work out for you and uh i i I don't i don't want to feel like anybody who's ever listened to this show ever ever (laughs) got that vibe yeah that that's what crypto is about right because that's that's so well no yeah i keep bringing it up people have to have i mean you're right people have to further their careers i mean we're not on this podcast to get rich uh we all have our own lives um and we have to we have to make you have to you know produce GDP for your economy. Um, you have to produce something. You can't just you know pull money out of nowhere. And if you are, you're either stealing it um, or doing something shady. So you have to produce something. You have to be valuable to the society, um, and then use that money that you earn to go invest in the things you want to invest in. But you have to have that backbone of, of a career of, of some kind of income that you're you're building on. People that are getting into crypto now, they just want to put a hundred bucks in and turn it into a million bucks um you know sorry sorry to break it to you man but you're you're a decade late um <laughs> you know that sh- that ship has sailed the big boys are playing with the money now and you, you know the only way to really do that is to, to produce a scam produce some kind of ponzi scheme or some kind of pyramid um i mean it, it, it it's too good to be true like the whole safe moon thing that, that happened um it probably is um so it, you have to have that that backing so people listening like do, do yourself a favor and um, better yourself first. Don't don't bank on any of this to be your your lifeline. We don't know if Bitcoin Cash is going to be worth a million bucks a coin. Um, we know the utilities there. We know it works. We think it's a great idea. But if you're listening to this and just you know you're, you're yoloing all of your life savings into the crypto market, that's not a good idea in my opinion. You have to have that that background. You have to have that solid ground to stand on. Um, to be able to be successful long-term. We're not here to, to be millionaires tomorrow. We're here to make the world a better place. And you have to have to better yourself to bring the people along with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So take a long-term, you know, time frame, earn some, spend some, get involved in the, in the actual community and yeah, make something valuable, whether it's in the crypto uh, markets or not, because that's, that's ultimately what's, what's going to have value. Ryan asked in the chat, when Tether falls, I wonder what price I could buy BCH at. I mean, we'll we'll see. But uh, I, you know, I think the the hard floor for BCH may be in the 50 to $100 range. But I think that would be, that would, it would crash down kind of that low. But then a lot of other stuff would just keep falling like a rock, pa- kind of past it once it uh leveled out because as we saw those 40,000 transactions a day, you know, that would probably just, just keep ticking over. Right. And everyone else would be, would be finished. 
Well, and, and price doesn't dictate the success of a community. So, I mean, even if Bitcoin Cash went to a dollar and we had a market cap of 20 million bucks, that doesn't mean that we failed as a community. That just means there's, you know, um, less demand trying to buy the coin right now, per se. But that doesn't mean we failed. Our, you, the utility is still there. You, I mean, just be, same as driving a car. If you're driving a car and your car value goes to zero, is your car worthless? No, your car is still useful. You're still using it to get around. You have you can't exchange it for the same value per se, but you're still able to use it and it's still useful. I mean, the, the point of a car is to get from point A to point B. Um, and I, I kind of see currency as the same thing. It's, it's a medium of exchange uh, for services. You're exchanging services for value. And so, I mean, that would just increase the amount of Bitcoin cash you have to send to buy a beer. But at the same time, it still works. There's nothing, you know, Bitcoin cash goes to a dollar and it doesn't automatically stop working. Um, it continues to work. The groundwork is there. So, you know, it, I'm not really worried about the price. And to be honest, people that are listening, like, use this as a time to continue the dollar cost average, to continue to build. Um, because, I mean, that's that's the long-term goal here. You're, you're, we're not here to, you know, if Bitcoin cash goes to $100 tomorrow, we're not all canceling the podcast and, and shutting down and going home. You know, uh, we're, we're still going to be here. And, you know, I think that speaks volumes to the community, too. We've seen the price go from, what was it, 1400 bucks that we got the all-time high um, last year. So, it, no, I, I'm not worried about the price, and I don't think anybody else should be. But if you're sitting there every day, open up your Bitcoin wallet and refreshing the price, and getting depressed like you know man maybe like take a couple focus weeks off life. and just stop yeah. looking yeah focus on life man like it's there's it's bigger than just the price action that's in your sitting in your bank account all right next one up uh and on this theme actually as well too is the federal reserve came out with uh some info on this how many people do they think are actually pay paying for things uh with cryptocurrency so last week we were talking about how many Bitcoin cash users there are and trying to uh, muddle through all the stats and get to the bottom of it. But according to this Federal Reserve 2021 report, 12% of US adults own cryptocurrency. I could sort of buy that. 11% as an investment. So that means about 37 million people out of 335 million in the US today. And about 2%... Uh, purchase or spending it as a currency in that year. So that's about 6.7 million Americans in 2021. I That sounds like a lot to me, but may, may, maybe across all the coins. Uh, the other point they had here was use as an investment was mostly by rich people, but use as a currency was mostly by the financially struggling or disconnected. So I've pulled this uh, quote out of the report and I'm going to read, quote, the financial profiles of those who use cryptocurrency for transactions, however, were quite different. Nearly six in 10 adults who used cryptocurrency for transactions had an income of less than $50,000. A far lower 24% of transactional users had an income of more than 100000 Transactional cryptocurrency users also were less likely to have a bank account. 13% of those who use cryptocurrency for transactions lack a bank account, compared with 6% of adults who did not use cryptocurrency. Similarly, 27% of transactional cryptocurrency users did not have a credit card, exceeding the 17% of non-users without a credit card, end quote. So that's kind of quite confusing how they explained it, but essentially the idea is that 
maybe 60% of people using crypto were making less than 50 grand. And whereas people making over a hundred grand, it was only 20, like 24% of all those people using it for transactions. And for people using crypto, they were roughly twice as likely to not have a bank account and to not have a credit card as well. So it's kind of that idea that the transactional element is is bleeding in and providing that story that we're kind of trying to tell or create of giving access to people who've been disconnected from traditional financial systems. And it seems that this, this does back it up, that that is actually what's happening even in the US where there is on average quite good infrastructure, right? So I found these stats really interesting. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely interesting. Um, and recently we've seen the rise of online casinos, crypto casinos. And I really wonder how much of that is playing into um, this report. Um, with six in 10 adults who use cryptocurrencies less than income, less than $50,000. A lot of these people that are using stake.com or Rubet or all these online gambling sites have popped up out of uh, and that's a whole nother story to dig into. But um I I really wonder how much of that plays into this because you have a whole bunch of 12 to 25 year olds that are using VPNs that are gambling on these websites and they exclusively use cryptocurrency on these websites. So I'm interested to see, uh, there's probably not a report out there on it because of how shady the industry is, but to see, you know, how, how many of of the six of 10 adults that are using it that are less than $50,000 are because of those gambling sites. Um, you know, it, it, it's another use case for cryptocurrency, but it's also um, kind of deceptive because people are are losing a lot of money and really just transferring it to these these uh, these websites over you know fake gambling and people think you know they can get rich getting on stake and spending a hundred bucks and hitting some slots. But um, you know, it's very interesting to see, and these numbers are actually higher than I would have expected. Just you know, being in the United States, not a lot of people use cryptocurrency, and the ones that do. Um, I found it's really just as an investment. People are, you know, the, the 40 and 50 year old guys that I know they're getting into it. They see it as an investment, as a lifelong thing. So I can see them accumulating, but they're also not the ones gambling. Um, they're using it as an investment. So the 2% that's purchasing and spending the currency, I think a lot of that has to do with the rise of online gambling um, that we're seeing. So it's, it's interesting to see. It's definitely a positive. It's a lot more people than I expected. Um, yeah. But yeah. Very Can interesting. I, do you guys mind if I hop in here real quick? No, no, get in there. Because <laughs> you're so Canadian, you always have to ask on this show. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. <laughs> uh, so this is actually like, I remember we were looking at another stat where it was like, like uh, two in five people or something like that had a chance in, which I suppose is only, uh, well, it's not that much. So like, I'm thinking a room of a hundred people, right? Mm. I can imagine eleven of them being gung-ho about look at my doge man it's going to a dollar like and then i could yeah. also imagine i i so when i look at these numbers and i see two percent for spending or purchases or spending as a currency um i get that like gambling is part of that but that seems like part of the investment crowd to me rather than like so um I don't know what kind of risk this actually has but i'm young and dumb so i make less than fifty thousand a year right and i'm through and through about the uh like purchases and spending as a currency and very much 
like adamantly avoid the gambling side of things. Um, but it also makes me want, so like these numbers make sense intuitively to me, but it also matches the Pareto distribution a little bit, right? Like a fifth of the the overall percentage of people are actually putting in the work to get adoption. And then I wonder too, if we could break that stat out further and be like, okay, what coins is that tiny percentage of people actually using? And uh, I think we could see that like kind of scatter down into, you know, Dash and BCH and a couple different coins like that. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. know. This 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 definitely makes sense to me though, and I I think I'm I'm kind of very uh, softly arguing against the gambling being included in the purchases uh, part of things. Well, I mean, we do have we have the answer of what what you're talking about a little bit because, yeah, I agree. If you, so, let's take this as according to the Fed, out of a hundred people, eleven of them have some crypto in their coinbase or whatever and maybe two out of a hundred people are actually using purse.io or they're going to you know off to el salvador to spend it there or st martin or whatever they're doing right and but we know what that two percent is using very roughly from the bitpay stats that i don't know if we looked at them last week we've looked at them a couple of times but essentially it comes down to at the moment it's about 55 percent using BDC and then about 10% or a little more using Litecoin, uh, about the same using Ethereum. Uh, BCH is about 7 or 8%. Dash is like less than 1%. Monero is 0.0 something percent. And Tether and USDC kind of fill in the gaps and maybe a little bit of Ripple, right? And that's so by that transactional volume, right? Not like fiat amount? Uh, yes, that would be by transactional volume. Yes. Okay. That like that's by number of transactions as a percentage. So right. out of a hundred transactions, fifty six are in BDC, maybe right, mm. and six or seven are in BCH. But I I I'm a little bit sus on those BitPay stats actually, because I feel like that well BitPay then added a bunch of KYC and stuff, and BCH people I feel have migrated onto alternatives. There's uh prompt.cash and a lot of the bitcoin cash register and different things like that which might have used bitpay in the past for the bitcoin cash community we're just building our own infrastructure that's what really what it comes down to i think bch is not going to show up on a lot of these kind of stats or coin aggregator uh, metrics or, or like uh if coinbase uh, oh this is how many people are buying bch well, that's will be smaller relative to other communities because BCH will have a much higher percentage of people earning it directly, where they're just getting paid direct to the person. So Coinbase is not going to have oversight of that. So yeah, I definitely feel like BCH is, is going to be underrepresented on a lot of these uh, coin aggregator type of uh, metrics. But th but that's one rough guide anyway to what the, what the real world looks like. And just thinking about it though, do you think like Okay, so if 60% of the 2% of people using it as currency Use BTC. Uh, make, well, make less than 50,000 and are using BTC, like that doesn't quite add up to me. Like, Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that's the only number I'm it, like, oh, I don't know, that's a little, that's a little fishy. Well, well, to use Bitcoin today, use BTC today with the high fees and the fee market they've, they've created, I mean, you have to have large transactions. You have to be buying your car. You have to be buying something that 
you know, is, is a large transaction. So yeah, you would think it'd be inverted. You would think, uh, you know, less people will be, um, or the people who have made more than a hundred thousand would be a far higher percentage if they're using BTC, um, cause they're using it for large transactions. But yeah, it's, that's an interesting stat. I mean, I think, I think, I think you've got to be a bit, uh, more reserved on that in the, I, it does somewhat make sense to me because the, the fact is I can see a large market of people who are Bitcoin believers and everything being with, because you can get a transaction through on the BTC main chain for 30 cents or 50 cents. I mean, it's going to be unreliable. You're going to have to wait six hours. You're going to have to hope that you get lucky and the mempool price drops a bit and it doesn't get kicked out after two weeks and da, 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 da. But I can see with those constraints that there are a lot of people with their node they're hodling away and they buy a a stack sats mug every once in a while and they do it in bitcoin bdc and they'll pay 30 cents on their 20 dollar transaction to be like yeah i'm doing it i'm part of the bitcoin revolution i can see that market so that's why and i can see i can also see it being bigger than the BCH or the Dash community, for instance, just because those communities are so much smaller. Like it's just if there's if your community is a hundred times bigger, you only need a few people who are basically spending BDC for the internal status flex to to make up that sixty percent. I don't know. People will pay no, a yeah. dollar to say they paid in Bitcoin, basically. Well, and that's that's actually kind of why I own some Bitcoin. I mean, one because I want to diversify, but but two, I just for just for the fun of it, sometimes I'll send my Bitcoin between two of my wallets, and just to see what the actual transaction fee is going to be. Um, and every time I've done it, it's been over a dollar, um, and that's I do that probably once or twice a month. Just um, and that's how I kind of I show people too, like when I'm talking to people about Bitcoin Dash, it's like you know, well here, you know, you don't believe me, like I have some right here. Let me send it to my other wallet, and I'll show you the difference. I'll show you like what it's going to cost to you know a twenty dollars transaction. It's going to cost you a dollar and fifty cents. And you know why would you use that? I mean that's that's more than you know Cash App. I mean even if you want to do an instant Cash App transfer, they take like one one point five percent. So you're talking you know thirty cents on a twenty dollars transaction um, versus you know a dollar fifty for a Bitcoin transaction. Well then why the hell am I going to use Bitcoin? Um, and so that kind of opens the eyes for people when when I show them hey. Yeah, I'll, I'll send some Bitcoin cash to myself and it costs a tenth of a cent. Um, and then I'll turn around and send some Bitcoin to myself and it costs $1.50. And it's like, and then, you know, then we get into the conversation of why it costs what it costs and get into the whole block size and, and everything uh, that they've created the fee market out of. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. It, Bitcoin is just, it has ruined themselves and they're all in on this layer two lightning network thing. And it's a, uh, yeah, it's it's not a good idea. Speaking of telling people about the history, that's our next uh, point. Actually, is I've titled this slide the most accurate mainstream BCH news ever? Question mark because there yeah. was this article. It came out. Let's see here, May thirty one. So it was a bit over a, a week ago, and I was actually shocked when I read this because we had on the podcast of couple months ago there was sort of a it was when the bitcoin conference was on a couple people came out with what is the difference between bitcoin and bitcoin cash articles just because i guess i don't know 
it was a bit unexpl- unexplained really, but maybe a few people were confused and they wanted to know the difference. It was the zeitgeist. I don't know. But this one came out uh, uh, at the end of May and it was called Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash. What's the difference and which is better? And it was really accurate. It was not the, there was still a couple of quibbles I would have had with it at the, at the edges. It's not, and it's definitely not the start guide Bitcoin Cash podcast that I've written, which is a bit more sort of the BCH angle on how it all went down. But the the main points were there about Satoshi originally created it as a digital cash. The community governance got into a bit of a, a shambles. The fees started rising. The community ended up splitting. The BDC side went with SegWit and thought they were going to fix all the scaling problems, but it kind of didn't work. And then the BCH side had the bigger blocks, but they lost the branding. And so then they're, you know, a bit more uh, off the radar for most people who don't know anything about this history. And uh, the trade-offs being, in theory, decentralization and security and having the higher hash rate versus having the lower hash rate and the being a direct transfer mechanism. And it was all there. It was all there. And I just, I was just blown away by that because that is what we need like I like I was saying, five million people. Once five million people know that history and pick Bitcoin Cash should come out on top. That that'll be it. That'll be it. Because the more people that know that history and the story and can explain it, it's an it's an exponential, right? Uh, it's a very high barrier of information to get why Bitcoin Cash. Basically, you have to you do need to know all this history and the trade-offs and all the logic and the fee market and blah, blah, blah. Like there's a huge amount of prerequisite knowledge, but at the same time, as people are getting built up with that knowledge, then it spreads faster and faster to, to more people and the sort of censorship element of hiding this all away over the last few years is, is coming apart at the seams. So I, I don't know. I was just blown away by this. Have you, did you did you read this article and what what did you think of it? Yeah, no, I did read it. Um, it caught me by surprise as well, and I thought it was a very fair assessment of um, of both coins, of both blockchains. Um, I, I think it, it kind of lends credibility to us. I mean, you don't have to take our word for it. I mean, you had somebody at, at Nasdaq that's that's writing about this. Like, we're not bullshitting. I mean, we really want to get to the peer to peer cash system of the world um and to have someone you know at, the, at nasdaq write an article about it that sees through it i mean they're not a nobody they 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 have a due diligence to do to their subscribers um and so to to have them come out and lay out the groundwork and say these are the two different points this is what they do make your own decision i mean that's exactly what we need and that's exactly what led people to get on bitcoin in the first place was make your own decision about it. it. It's not Satoshi saying, hey, you have to join this. I mean, he even told people, if you don't get it, I don't have the time for you. Um, you know, make, make your own decisions. And so to have them come out and, and lay it out, I mean, that's, I think it's the first of many, especially when we going back to the, uh, to the bill that they're proposing on, in the Senate. Um, you're going to see more of this because people are going to be doing their research into it. There's already a ton of articles in the past, but I think this does a lot of justice for the community to be able to lay out what the differences are. Um, and at the very end, you know, saying, 
Bitcoin Cash is better for payments because it is. I mean, that's that's the whole point of the reason that we're doing this. Uh, we don't want a feed market. We don't we, we don't want to force people off to another solution to the problems that we created to begin with. And that's what BTC is doing. Yeah, I found it really interesting as well, too. On the on the weekend, I was at a party. There's a few crypto people there. We got into some good uh, crypto chats and I, I found it really interesting. Somebody said to me, you know, you're the first Bitcoin cash person I've ever met. And Bitcoin cash has this very interesting dynamic where there's a large segment of people that don't know anything about Bitcoin cash. And when you tell them about it, they're like, what is that coin? I've never heard of that. What What is this kind of a bit confusing? There's another Bitcoin that intuitively yeah. get it. And then there's also a huge segment of people like, I know Bitcoin cash. I know these scammers. <laughs> I know that they've got their big block talking points. And I know this, that, and the other that, that happened. But they're not anywhere. They're all just... So it's the Bitcoin Cash community is both very loud and also very under the radar at the same time. It's a very small, but a ridiculously dedicated, uh, clearly, community. And as a result, it just has a strange effect uh on on people because that yeah there's loads of people who are into bitcoin and they've got some friends that are into it and all this sort of stuff and they've literally just never run into a person who's into bitcoin cash and that that being on the losing side of the block block size war that's really what it came down to that the bitcoin the total bdc and bch users has just been exploding but the by as a percentage the bch size has been shrinking perhaps until recently um as as this kind of narrative train gets on and now now people are flooding into all the other coins as well too so they're more likely to stumble on it that way with oh i was in the ethereum community and then i was looking at this and that and avalanche and whatever and then maybe they find their way into um bitcoin cash i i, I don't know but it's it's very it's very strange to see in real life how that smaller community size plays into the conversation right because this kind of media attention is is like agnostic to the size right this is an article about bitcoin and bitcoin cash and there's 50 percent of the article on each it doesn't matter if there's ten thousand times more bdc supporters in the world everybody reading this article is is weighing it up one-to-one -one, right so i yep. feel like that's the advantage that's a subtle asymmetry which means the pch community is always in it no no matter what the what the size disparity is or the price disparity yeah no we have a very resilient community of people going back to the 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 adopters and the people that are pushing um you know merchants onboarding um you know you, you just don't see that in bitcoin you don't see that in btc i keep saying bitcoin but btc <laughs> um you know you, you you don't see that people aren't doing should do their local walmart and saying hey man you know you need to get a lightning node set up and start accepting payments like because it doesn't work. It's not a. It's not a clean conversation. Um, you can set up and make it work, but it's it's a lot of you're jumping through a lot of hoops. And for why? And then you, you turn around, and you look at the Bitcoin Cash community, and you don't have to jump through hoops. You know, set up a wallet, get some coins, and start spending them. And that's how it's meant to be. And um, you know, I, I think it speaks volumes for the community. We haven't gone away. There's people that you're in it from 2017 are still in it. They're still promoting it. We're having the same discussion and talking points and. And BTC is, doesn't have an answer for a lot of, of the things that we do. Um, and so, but the only answer is really to silence us and to say, you know, Bcash is a scam. And it's like, well, you know, how are we a scam and how is BTC not a scam? 
if we're a scam, you know, how big of a scam is BTC at the end of the day? Like, if, if we're going to play that game, like, you have to look yourself in the mirror, too, and, and ask that question. And BTC doesn't stand up very well to that. Yeah, Ryan says in the chat, crypto people I meet mostly know BCH is superior technologically. And I think that's also an interesting point, which is that as I was having this uh, debate the other night, you know, it was me and there was a BDC guy and then there was somebody else who was kind of more on the fence, right? They were just in the middle and they were just sort of weighing up both sides. You know, they liked some other different coins. They weren't really specifically in an allegiance. And I think by now, I think the majority of crypto are big blockers basically maybe they're not bitcoin cash uh, big big blockers but every other coin ethereum avalanche solana or whatever what coin is out there saying we're going to restrict our block size and we're going everyone's like that is nonsense right <laughs> you, you just yeah. storage spaces have improved hallelujah and that's just the default so when people dig into this a bit the fact that bitcoin cash is does not have a one megabyte block size religion just intuitively makes sense to a lot of people even if they're not using bitcoin cash they're not trading it they're not invested in it or whatever and they can sort of say okay well maybe they don't have the branding or they don't have the momentum or i haven't really seen enough from them to get excited there could be a lot of reasons that they might be ambivalent about sort of jumping in or even contributing to the community but they can they kind of get the concept and if there was a lot of bch momentum i feel there, there's a lot of people that would just flood in basically i, I got into a, a conversation on rbtc a couple of days ago with somebody about the block size and about data and what people don't realize like data is extremely the data size is extremely relative to the technology and the hardware that you're using i mean i remember the days of i grew up playing playstation and we had those uh, those little eight megabyte memory cards, and that would store an entire multiple games, game saves on there. Um, and now eight megabytes is nothing. I mean, we have terabyte Xboxes, um, and so it it just goes to show that you know you can't you're thinking in a frame of mind of you know what current technology can handle, and you're not you're not lending the future any credit of what's going to be developed. Um, I mean, data is extremely relative. We went to the moon with less data than I have on my phone. Um, and so it's, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me that people are still having this argument that, you know, you, the block size is going to get so big that it can't, it, you can't use it. Um, well, then we're going to create better technology. We, we don't, humans don't sit back and say, oh, well, you know what? We hit that wall and, uh, you know, we're just going to stop. No, we're going to figure out a way to go around the wall or through the wall. Um, and so just this, this mindset of, well, you know, the, the Bitcoin cash big blocks are just not sustainable, blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, where do you think the world data is going to go? Is it going to stay stagnant for the rest of the time? No, we're, we're streaming in 4K and 8K and um, we're doing virtual reality. Like all that is massive amounts of data. And to sit back and say, well, you can't scale past one megabyte or the world can't use it. It's just to me, that's mind blowing. The fact that you have that, that closed mindset of it's one megabyte or nothing. I mean, come on. I mean, we're in the future. We're going to have phones that are probably a hundred terabytes, or even or even larger, and it's not going to be overly expensive because that's going to be the norm. There's going to be competition, and it's going to drive the price down, and it's all going to be affordable. I mean, a terabyte back when Bitcoin was created was probably thousands of dollars, and now you can get a terabyte solid state hard drive at Best Buy for two hundred bucks. Uh, and so it's even I've seen yeah some yeah 
Yeah, probably less. Crazy. So I mean, it just it's yeah, it's it's mind blowing to me that people. I mean, that's that's the hill that they're gonna die on. Is you know one well, megabyte they have to die on. That's the yeah. that's the other thing as well that people don't really understand or as time goes on it just it's just so ingrained in there whether there was or wasn't any original logic it's now the logic has become we we're gonna die on this hill right Man, yeah do you guys well, remember and, sorry go on i was just i was just gonna say what what can what can bitcoin btc do what can they can i mean can they go back in reverse and say okay now we're gonna have 32 megabyte blocks um, I mean, what would that do to the community? Because um, there, I mean, at that point, that's a win for Bitcoin Cash because we're already doing it. I mean, that to me is showing, is forcing the hand and them admitting, hey, you know, we tried something and it didn't work. It's, it's going to fail. And then people are going to look and say, well, Bitcoin Cash has been doing this the whole time. Like we were right the whole time. Um, this is the way forward. So it, I hope that happens. Um, but I, I'm interested to see how that plays out in the market. Did you guys ever play like, I don't know, PS2 or GameCube or any of that? Do you remember like, yeah, absolutely. Like those first memory cards where I'm pretty sure one megabyte and then there were two and then they were eight and then they were 16 and then they were 32. And now if you want to play, I think it's Warzone, it's like a hundred gigabytes or 120 gigabytes. Yeah. Imagine if those game <laughs> developers were like, we're never going to be able to go past this two megabyte memory yeah. card guy. Like, insane i can't imagine the mentality that these people have yeah well and maybe they should take a you know some from their playbook you know it, it, you don't need to cap your your creativity at the amount of data you you want to create something you want to create and whatever the data ends up being that's what it is and we'll figure out some hardware that makes it work it, it's not the other way around you don't develop something with a capped mindset like you develop what you want to develop and then make the hardware that makes it work I mean, in their in their defense, I will say that one of the big problems that I think the Bitcoin BDC community have, they're, they're sort of in a bit of a trap of their own making, which is that they say, okay, big blocks is terrible or whatever. And then they have some examples that back up their theory. Ethereum fees are ultra high. Of course, that completely ignores that Bitcoin uh, and Ethereum are not really directly comparable in terms of their data consumption or the you know, all the smart contracts or the account model. And there's a lot of other reasons why Ethereum is having problems that have nothing to do with uh, what would be the case on Bitcoin. And then they have Bitcoin SV who are just spamming it out like nobody's business. And yes, there is a, there is a limit. As much as we're saying, obviously you can raise the, raise the limit. The point is you have to be able to justify the amount of actual economic activity. But if we were doing... 32 megabyte blocks worth of 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 actual peer-to-peer -peer cash adoption the economy of bch would be going insane people have no idea how with that forty thousand transactions we we're looking at that would be like four million transactions a day or something it would be ridiculous and if that if those were all real people actually trading money just it it would be it would be more than justified uh you know, well that's, and that's transactions transactions don't i mean it, that the beautiful thing about the blockchain and about bitcoin is the transactions don't increase in size the amount of data that they're using like the transactions are you know it, it, it's it's that's a static thing um and so you it would be different if we're arguing say okay you know at 32 megabytes now a transaction you know is a, is a larger amount of data but it's not you're just fitting more of those transactions into that block
And so that kind of shoots down the narrative of big blocks are going to fail because all we're doing is we're just filling the boat up more. Uh, we're allowing for a bigger boat. Um, the people aren't getting bigger that are getting on that boat. They're the same people that are getting on the boat. So it, as we scale up, as the, as the blockchain increases in size, um, the transactions are going to stay the same. And so, uh, you know, I think realistically, I mean, that's why Bitcoin is going to work long term is that you know, transactions are going to stay the same size and you know, we did the smart contracts and all that. They'll have a larger size, but we're doing all that on a layer two. And so it, it's um, I'm extremely bullish on it because because of that, you know, it would be different if the transactions were going to just like comparing it to video games. The new video games are use much more data. So you have to have a much larger processor to process all that. Versus, I mean, essentially what we're doing is we're now playing, playing, (laughs) we're still, yeah, we're still playing Pong on an Xbox X with a, with a terabyte. And so it's the same game. We just have better hardware to process it. You can have 10 million people playing Pong on one Xbox. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. That's it. It's people. Yeah. I, I think just people struggle to understand exponentials. Basically that's, that's my thing in life is just exponentials and um basic uh calculus you know whether gradients are increasing or decreasing just people don't understand how those things interact in the in the real world that they're, they're too they're too linear in their in their thinking so the fact that yeah bch just has the benefit of all the innovation that is going on it doesn't matter bch is just getting further ahead just by de- if we all stopped doing everything we would still be getting better just because the hardware manufacturers would be like and we made some better storage devices guys we made a better ethernet connection like the bitcoin cash community is essentially the entire computer hardware industry as well too so it doesn't yeah that's just another area that we're just quietly crushing away on that nobody even pays attention to but Anyway, anyway, uh, that that is what it is. Next topic, we, let's let's talk about something positive instead of this uh, BDC stuff. So there was this week there was this BCH Hangout Space number two uh, on Twitter. It was organized by Fiendish Crypto and Sherry Yukar also was involved in the hosting. So a big massive shout out to both of them because they've been doing a killer job and these Twitter spaces are, are super valuable. It's just a different different crowd people just find them on twitter and they kind of come in and maybe they just listen along for a bit and then maybe they follow a couple of the people who are speaking and they sort of uh, work their way into the community that way so he uh finished crypto organized this one uh whenever it was a couple weeks ago and it got it was it was like 1900 listeners or something i don't know it somehow it just rocketed off on his first attempt and he thought, okay, definitely, let's do another one. So the second one uh, was, it didn't get to quite as many listeners. I think it was four or 500 uh, people maybe, but it seems to be setting a precedent that this is going to be a, a regular thing. I really hope it is because it's a, it's a, a, amazing. I, I was definitely listening to it. This one went for about four hours. Uh, the first hour was recorded and is available on YouTube everyone got kicked out after an hour because there was a bug and the second hour didn't get, uh, or the, the second section didn't get recorded. So you're just going to have to take my word for what was said on that, but you can definitely go have a listen to it and get a flavor. And if you enjoy it, definitely uh, follow fiendish crypto and, and pay attention because I'm sure there'll be another one. It's I think usually Sunday nights. So the main things that seemed to come out of it was there was a lot of talk about, 
merchant onboarding, which we were talking, but these different hotspots that are emerging, right? That there's India, there's uh, is the latest one uh, with Sunny Gahani, who's doing a killer job. There's the St. Martins and St. Kitts in the Caribbean, Townsville in Australia and, and Florida as well with Ryan Giffen. So BCH is just working away on these several different locations and everybody's just getting in the call together and comparing their experiences and where things are, are kicking off and constantly announcing we've got some new merchants here, new merchants there. And it just really seems to be building in, in hype and excitement. And the main problem uh, that we need to address as a community seems to be this stuff about volatility, right? That crypto is always volatile and for merchants they feel that downside pain very very hard not only because a bear market tends to be kind of a long and grueling thing but because they they just they're not in it to gamble they they once they get paid they want to pay their staff and pay their business expenses and come out with some profit they don't want the whole thing to turn into the the crypto casino which is another thing that you don't really find out unless you are genuinely onboarding real merchants so there's with some sort of chatter about, well, we can maybe line things up with stable coins. You can use flex USD. Okay. They need to be better integrated into the wallets. There was a bunch about that. And there was also some stuff about any hedge, uh, which I've talked about on this show a few times before, but it's this product that is being developed and it's kind of been a long time coming, but I think hopefully the, the, it'll be worth the wait. Right. And it's, it will be very important because it's an on-chain way that you can have non-custodially locking amounts of money. So that essentially gives the BCH economy access to a stable coin that can't do a Terra Luna. It's just impossible because it's backed by the actual BCH and that can always just get liquidated and sold on the market. And BCH has an actual genuine uh, market price, not the one that's uh, pumped up by this burn and mint um ponzi basically so if if we can get that out and it sounds like maybe in quarter three it was kind of maybe quarter three or quarter four this year if that comes out and it gets integrated in wallets this is all going to take a while right it might not be until later this year or maybe even late next year by the time all these different pieces of the ecosystem click together but once they do just the ability for other coins to just copy or, or compete with these on these metrics is going to be absolutely uh nothing so yeah i just want to get your 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 take on on something did you listen to any of this twitter space or um... yeah um i listened to a little bit i didn't listen to the full hour i was traveling when it came out so i was in the airport listening to it um no it's it's it it's very um uplifting to see all these people from around the world putting their heart and soul and going out there and and trying to spread the good of blockchain um, to other people and, and, you know, Sunny going over and, and being in India, like, I mean, I think India is a huge market that can really benefit, um, from, from Bitcoin. Um, so to see them out there doing it, I mean, just just listening to all of them, um, having a good time doing it. It's, uh, it's awesome. Um, so I definitely need to be listening. I'm going to listen to more of them. Um, but no, I think this is definitely something that is needed in the community, putting all the, uh, the main players together to really, you know, hash things out to see how they're doing see that the problems that they're facing, because that's how we move forward. Um, if it's just one guy leading the pack, I mean, we're not really decentralized at that point. Um, and so having all these people come together and, and trying different things, just not everybody, not, we don't have one answer. 
that's a beautiful thing about it. We're able to take people's feedback from around the world um, and make a better product. And that's the whole point. We're not trying to, to pump the price up and get everybody on board so we can all cash out. Um, we really want to spread this around to other people. Um, and so seeing, seeing the BCH hangout um, that, that we're doing, I, I think it's a beautiful thing and we need to keep doing it and do more of them um, because that's how we move forward as a community. Yeah, I, I think I can certainly feel that morale is rising in the in the community as well, too, because things have just gone on long enough now that the Bitcoin Cash community is is, is getting down to brass tacks, basically, right? There's There's not been internal community drama or technical issues or problems or whatever. It just hasn't been happening. And so once you have enough, a long enough period of time where all the people who are just there to bitch and moan about whatever have got bored and left and you're just left with the people who are actually committed to the idea and who are not going to flake out next week or they want to make some some real change once you've just got that core of people that's really what the whole bear market cycle is about you get to a point where that's who's left and then suddenly it starts kicking off because uh everybody's collaborating and sharing ideas and uh momentum and and morale has has been rising and i think it's amazing amazing to see and there might not be a payoff in the in the short term in terms of the price or in terms of outside media or attention or anything like that but that that hard work day by day is 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 getting getting results and yeah i it's amazing to see and just the fact that Phoenix crypto is is hosting these uh hosting these these spaces has been has been great um one other point that i wanted to make about uh the topics that that came up which i i found really interesting was so they had rolando bryson the uh minister of parliament or member of parliament uh in st martin who's been big on bch and is getting people to use and now now apparently they're putting uh, atms there as well too that are all branded with bitcoin cash so people on that island are going to just be getting the idea bitcoin cash it's happening and if they see people transacting within shops and they see the atms it'll be just that speaks volumes right but he made a really interesting point which i hadn't thought of before which is he he kind of called out el salvador a bit because he said look they obviously the BDC people went in and sold them on this and they uh, did it. But he said, look, the other countries haven't copied them. I mean, it has now been more than a year and certainly among those South American countries, they, it's just like any regional political area. They, they all know each other and they're all watching what each other are doing and so on and so forth. And so the fact that there hasn't really been any follow-up from neighboring countries to just copy paste those laws in themselves or have their own debates in parliament and maybe tweak it a bit and then do it and whatever it's it's just kind of the online hype can't get you over that that barrier that's just people in power will actually just take a trip across the border or whatever visit a place have a look okay it's kind of not working guys we're not we're not interested and that the opposite was happening for him where he had had it going in St. Martin and it is starting to work and things were going great. And so he had some of the other Caribbean leaders and people that he knew and stuff were starting to ask him what, what is going on with this? You know, what's, 
are you are you putting in laws around legal tender and what's that and and whatever because they they just came and looked and they walked around and there was stickers everywhere and they saw some people paying with bitcoin cash and then they asked him or whatever and he said yeah you know we're we're creating a new economy and obviously it's low banking here that's i know that you know that and and this is a fix and we it's working <laughs> you can see it with your own eyes so that kind of network of people who are in those regional areas is is just a an undervalued point and one i hadn't it's obvious but i hadn't really thought it through uh before so I, I don't know is is it too harsh to judge the bdc community and say that other south american countries aren't interested because el salvador is failing or would they just not be interested even if it was going great well i mean great technology will be used um, out of necessity and i mean there's plenty of economies out there um, that i think could benefit from bitcoin and to see that they're not using it i mean It'd be naive to think that, you know, Venezuela, Colombia, Guatemala, that these countries that have struggling economies aren't all jumping into Bitcoin if it worked. I mean, if 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 BTC worked for them, they would sign up today. Uh, they wouldn't wait till tomorrow. So, I mean, it it kind of speaks volumes that El Salvador is not being replicated across, especially South America, Africa. Um it's just uh, it's just not because it, it doesn't work the way that it was intended to work. Um, and unfortunately, kind of how I see El Salvador, I mean, we're you're really playing ball with the you know the president. He he's all in on El Salvador, and unfortunately, I think he made the gamble of let's put our country's money into it for the price to go up, and that's probably what it was sold as. You know, you have some Americans come down there and explain Bitcoin to them. And he's like, okay, you know, if, if it goes from 30,000 to a million, you know, my country is no longer poor. And that's how he sees it. And so it's it wasn't driven out of necessity, in my opinion. It was driven out of price of him trying to save his his country and boost his economy um, by the same mentality that the crypto bros in the, in the states are having, where, you know, price goes up. Um, and that's the only real value that we're, we're playing on. So um, I think that that it really speaks volumes that you don't see these other struggling economies because there's plenty of other economies out there that could use um, a peer-to-peer cash system um, to make it better, to get the government out there. But unfortunately, Bitcoin kind of goes along, goes against the, the grain of a, of a central bank um, with a peer-to-peer cash system. You don't need to rely on the, the central bank as much. And so in turn, you lose the government control. The government no longer has a tie to the hold of the economy as they want. And so with a with an emerging economy, someone who's trying to you know boost their economy and, and uh, make more money for their people, it, it's um, it's difficult. So um, yeah, it, unfortunately, I think El Salvador is is a gam is a gamble made by one man um, that's now forced this country into a hole. And you know he kind of has to has to he made his bed and he has to sleep in it now. Um, the price has to go up for him to for otherwise they lose money. And so it's no longer driven by the utility of the token. It's driven by the price point. And um, I mean, that's just the flaw of BTC in general. Yeah. Well, because yeah, El Salvador is going to be in quite a, a tragic situation if there was 
okay, uh, Nayib Bukele, he took some of the money and he put it into Bitcoin and there was a lot of fanfare and the price went up and it looked, that was all hype and it was going great and the price was going up and he was announcing, we're buying more, it's going yeah. up, we're buying more, we're buying more. <laughs> and then, uh, but then the market has cooled off and it's it's crashed He's off. He's pretty silent he's, now. It's now in the, he's now in the red. Yeah, he has shut up a little a little bit he did do another interview with uh peter mccormack uh, sort of addressing some of that and peter said to him look what do you say to critics who say you're now in the red and you've lost your country's money what were you doing and he says oh well we ha- i mean it's the same thing anybody in crypto can and will say oh, okay well you know we haven't sold any we've still got the exact same amount of bitcoins as as we did there but where for an individual you might kind of be in the position of i'll just sit there and and ride it out i mean <laughs> it's kind of on another yeah. level when you're doing about millions and millions of dollars yeah hundreds of millions of dollars of your entire country's uh tax funded like money potentially down the drain not recovering for years and might not ever recover i don't know yeah it's uh no it's he took a gamble and um yeah it's it's a he's a fiscal responsibility to his country. And so, um, unfortunately, I think this really casts a negative light on crypto as a whole. Um, because when, I mean, if El Salvador doesn't make it out of this, um, I mean, it's going to show the rest of the world, well, you know, is Bitcoin really the answer? Um, I mean, that that's the unfortunate part of it is we kind of get grouped into that. Um, we, you know, we're, when you say crypto, everyone thinks of us this big old sphere of, of all these dudes buying coins on the internet. Um, but really, we're all very different. I mean, the BCH community versus the BTC community is night and day difference. Um, but what happens in El Salvador, I mean, people aren't going to look into that. They're just going to see a failed failed nation state because of Bitcoin. And so I, I think it's going to hurt the industry as a whole. Um, but unfortunately, they made that bet and they have to play it out. They have to see it through. Yeah, yeah. There's not there's no easy outs, definitely, from from here i mean maybe if there was some incredible price rally or whatever but it's just it's just a bit of a fantasy it's just it would be nice for them i suppose but yeah it's just it's just taking shortcuts it's like we yolled all our money in and announced that our country's accepting it and we're going to build this futuristic space city or whatever it's like well have a how about just making one of your regular cities good before you worry yeah. too much about Bitcoin city? But that that was it was the quick mentality and it was working great. But it's like anything in life, you take the shortcuts and you end up paying the price one way or another, right? Yeah, you you don't jump from a country like El Salvador, and I don't even know I don't know what their GDP is, but you don't ten x that overnight because of uh, because of Bitcoin. And, um, and if you do, I mean, cause that's what they were banking on. You kind of have to look back and think, you know, or look at, you know, what did we do? And I mean, you're not producing, or El Salvador is not, produ- yeah. yeah, it's not replicable, but you're not producing more. You're not, you're not creating more wealth. You're, you're taking wealth, um, from the rest of the, of the world. I mean, we're all just on this rock together and there's only so much money floating around. Um, and so it, Bitcoin's mentality is, you know, we're, we're going to take money from other people, essentially, by the price going up. Um, more investors as they buy, that's that's where the price comes from. That's where the money comes from. If you bought Bitcoin at 30K and then you sold it at 45K, you didn't create 15K in value. You took 15K 
from the market. Um, and so it's a, it's a flawed logic. And that's what El Salvador is banking on is, you know, we're going to take our relatively small economy. We're going to make this, this gamble on it. And we're going to try and 10 exit, 20 exit, 100 exit, um, and then reinvest that into our community. But really what you're doing is you're just taking money from the rest of the world and, and repurposing it into El Salvador. You're not creating something. You haven't fixed the problems in El Salvador. The problems still exist. Yeah, it's very zero sum. Absolutely. Yeah. And speaking of that, so let's talk a bit now about lo- the logistics industry. And I mean, we can talk yeah. about Bitcoin Cash uh, a little bit, but I, I, you know, you've got a bit of free reign to to tell us what what what's going on. I don't know very much about logistics. I know virtually nothing actually. Um, so you can give us the rundown of how that all works and how crypto might help. And I'm also particularly interested in. We've, it's been mentioned on this show, like supply chains are, are currently struggling given all the pressures of the global energy market and inflation is just kicking off. And this is just the, the machinery underneath that people don't see most of the time. They just go to the shop and their food is there, right? But as that starts to break down, like how, how, how bad is this, this going to be? I don't know. Give us the walkthrough. Well, the, the nice thing about logistics and the reason I, I got into it um, was I wanted a bulletproof market. I wanted a bulletproof um, your career, essentially. I, I wanted something that was going to be able to make money through a pandemic, through a war. Um, and I got in. I got into logistics in 2017. Um, and so I kind of got in early. And I got in when it, before it was bad. Um, but I mean, really what we're, what's happening now is we're finding a balance. Inflation is so high. It's hard for for carriers and transportation companies to find drivers because it's, it's purely an exchange. Um, you know, you're exchanging value for a service. Somebody gets into a truck and drives that truck. And so what's happening is, is the, the rates for those drivers is going through the roof because we have to have those drivers. And so, you know, if, if I'm putting out, you know, 200 bucks a day for a truck driver um, and I get nobody, well, what do I do? I, I can't have nobody. I have to pay 250. I have to pay 300 until I fill up my fleet to be able to service my customers. Um, and unfortunately that then gets passed on to the rest of the consumers, but it doesn't happen in real time. And so what we're seeing now is the rates are going through the roof. It's hard. There's a driver shortage across the entire world, um, a large one um, in the United States. And so the, those prices are going up, um, but they haven't been passed on fully to the consumers yet. We're still kind of lagging behind um, because, you know, if, if a, gallon of milk went from $3 to $10 overnight, I mean, though you wouldn't sell any milk. And so it, it lags behind, but that's the first thing that increases because we have to have those drivers. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a rough system, but um, I mean, from the, from the logistics standpoint, I mean, logistics companies are making the most money they've ever made. 2021 was a fantastic year for the logistics industry. Um, because of that very reason, I mean, people have to have that stuff on the shelf. Um, and so what do we do? We don't, we don't show up to work and go, Oh, you know, it's too expensive today to run. No, we, we raise the prices on our customers. We raise the rates for our drivers, um, because we have to have them on the road. And in turn, those are going to get passed on the consumer at the end of the day. So, um, I think we're really just getting started, unfortunately, with the whole inflation. Um, because like the guys I've worked in for me, I mean, I, got truck drivers that are local drivers they're making 100 grand a year um no college degree six weeks you can get your cdl um and then i mean you can literally go from homeless to you know six weeks later making 100k a year 
So um, to me, that's uh, that's great for the truck drivers. They're making a ton of money right now because 100K is, I mean, that, that's a large sum of money. Um, but unfortunately for them, a lot of young guys are getting sucked into the industry. Um, and so by, by the guise of, hey, you know, I want to make 100 grand because I can't make 100 grand anywhere else. Um, but that's not going to last. If a truck driver is making 100 grand a year, what do you think we're going to have to pay everybody else? Um, you know, because eventually we are going to reach that threshold where we have enough drivers and we are meeting all the freight. Um, and they still probably be making 100, 120K a year. But that 100, 120K a year is going to go a lot less far than it currently is. So right now, those drivers are making a ton of money and the market's good and we're getting new kids off the street. And they just they just changed the age requirement um, in the United States from 21 to 18 for a CDL. So you're having these guys that are right out of high school that are banking their careers on this. And a lot of them work for me. Um, and then, you know, they think that they're going to be millionaires the rest of their life. When in reality, all we're doing is we're moving the goalposts further down the road. If, you know, I'm having to pay my guys 100 grand a year to, to show up to work. I mean, what are we having to pay everybody else? And um, it's not good. Um, it, it's, but it, it kind of shows the pickle that we're in. We've almost doubled the rate of what truck drivers are making. So, um, but not everyone else's salaries is doubled. Not the price of everything is doubled, but eventually it will have to. I mean, just supply and demand of the market. You can't have truck drivers making the most money out of any other industry. Um, all the other industries are going to have to pay more people. And that, and that plays into the labor shortage. People are leaving their jobs because why am I going to show up and bust my ass five, six days a week for 50 grand? That 50 grand is going a lot less far than it did a couple of years ago. So the market's going to have to find an equilibrium. Um, but unfortunately, not before the prices of everything rise and employers are going to have to dish out a lot more money. So all these profits that these companies are making, um, I mean, you know, $100 million is going to go a lot less far. Um, than it did a couple of years ago. And so it's, it's the nature of the beast. We've, we've made our bed with the Fed with them printing all this money. Um, a lot of that money went to these large companies. Um, and so they have all those extra cash, so all their balance sheets, they look great. Um, but in comparison, you know, I much rather have made 50 million two or three years ago than make a hundred million, you know, right now, because it, not, not much has changed. The reason that we're making a hundred million versus 50 million is not because we're doing twice the amount of work. Um, we're moving the same amount of freight. We're moving with the same number of drivers. The price has just gone up. And so it's kind of misleading um, to the market, but it, it shows the, the market as a whole, um, we're not in a good spot. And it's a lot worse than eight or 9% inflation that we're seeing. Um, it's gonna be, it's a lot higher than that, unfortunately. Yeah, well, that was, I was gonna dig into that a bit more. So obviously, I mean, it's funny how rapidly things have gone from, I mean, the, the Bitcoin cash community or crypto as a whole is, you know, horribly unshocked by this whole state of affairs, right? But it, it's what under two years ago that it was oh, 2% inflation moderate, even if that was underestimated, it was still that was still the rhetoric. Now it's basically, oh, it's eight or 9% at the low end, <laughs> you yeah. know, what's, what's that happened in under, under 24 months, certainly. And that's probably, yeah, that's probably still underestimating. I saw an ad on the subway in London on the underground the other day, which was a, a dating app. And it was, you know, do you want to get married before inflation sets in kind of an idea? And I was thinking, wow, geez, this is how, 
big the inflation story is getting, right? People, people's good night, Ryan. Uh, people uh, don't have the the under the understanding of all the dynamics, but they're getting the message that inflation is happening and it's just going to take off like a rocket. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And the government's going to blame everything but themselves. And the people are slowly going to understand that the government is the problem. They're not, they're not the answer. They are the problem, but it's going to take a lot of pain, unfortunately, before we get there. So if the, prices are going up for freight so much already where's the buffer why are the supermarket prices not skyrocketing yet is it because the company the supermarket for instance they just haven't adjusted the prices yet they're thinking uh maybe these trucking rates will go down again or what what's the hold up they're burning through their their free cash what's what's going on well so like target um target has a ton of inventory on hand um, and so I, I don't know what their margins are on, on certain goods. Um, but I would, I would, I would bet money that their margins have, are lower today than they were 24 months ago before the pandemic. Um, and so the, they're, they're absolving or absorbing some of that, um, some of that hit. Um, I think that's, that's what we're seeing is they still have to sell goods. And so it like, you know, back to the price of milk, if it went from $3, 10 gallons, $3 to $10 a gallon, they're not going to sell a milk. People are just not going to buy it. So they have to find that equilibrium in the market where, you know, we can raise it to three fifty, we can raise it to $4. Um, they're not making as much money on that. Um, they're raising the price, but they're not making the same margin percentage wise on those items. They still have to sell them though. So in their mind, they rather take a 20% hit on their margin and still be able to sell something rather than, you know, say the margin on milk was 50%. Well, they rather sell 20% margins or 30% margins um, than, than try to maintain that 50% because they're going to sell a lot less of that product. And so that's, that's where I, I get into the, the lag behind. You have the, the economy as a whole is not going to update in real time um, you know, versus the prices of a driver. That's going to update in real time. I have to have somebody show up and go to work. And that's where we get into the spot market where you're seeing Uber freight take off. Um, cause there's so much money to be made, but that doesn't, you know, just because I had to pay a driver $1,500 a week this week, and I only paid them a thousand last week. That doesn't mean that the price of milk that they're transporting goes up 50% overnight. Um, they're going to absorb that cost in the short term and pass it on to consumers in the long term, um, by raising prices because it, it would shock the market. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, that's, that's where we're at. I mean, the, the prices for workers is going through the roof but they still have to sell goods. And so they're taking the hit up front. Um, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you look at their, at their earnings and they you look at, you know, it, it looks like they're going up, it looks like they're making more money. Um, but in reality, they're not, um, they're actually taking a hit because you know, it, it's not the same steady rate of growth. You don't go from 50 million to hundred million and then still, you know, say you made 30 million on that. You're not going to make 60 million on the hundred million anymore. You're going to make 45. Um, and so that's an exponential problem across the industries that, you know, they're absorbing that cost because they still have to do business. Um, it's just slowly being passed on the consumer. They're taking it, you know, the milk from $3 to $3.50, then to $4, and the $4.50, then the $5. Um, they're not going to jump it overnight, but eventually we'll get there. Like the, the yeah, Fed. Mathematically. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. We're going to go there. 
the, the price of milk's not going down. It's going up um, in the long term. So it's a, it's a bad problem, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's good for, good for my company. We're making, we're making good money. Um, the industry is growing and there's no shortage of work to go around. Um, but at the same time, I, it, I see it as a, an indicator for the market as a whole. We're not in a good spot. I mean, if, if we're having to pay these rates for people to show up and work, we've got much larger problems as an economy as a whole, um, you know, that we have to address. And unfortunately, the consumers will have to absorb a lot of the costs long term. Um, salaries are going to have to go up. Companies have to spend more money on people. Um, and how long does that take to equal out is anybody's guess. I don't know. Um, but it's going to have to equal out at some point. Yeah. So one thing I think about a little bit uh is you know they say a city starves in three days right what what is your take on that that kind of angle to it should should listeners be genuinely thinking got to make sure i mean people did it in the pandemic right they got a bit of canned goods and da 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 da. but is this going to be a gradually and then suddenly and then everything's just going to buckle and stop working or is it going to be actually there's a bit of give and things will run along for quite a while and we'll see the political problems and other stuff start up before the whole supply chain infrastructure shuts down what what's what's your take there well i i mean i don't think the the supply chain infrastructure is going to shut down it's just going to have to adjust to the to the new market um i mean the the nice thing about United States and the economy of the world is people, people demand goods. Um, and so if, you know, say, say my company goes out of business, um, somebody else is going to fill that void. So like, and to have a background on me, um, I work in the automotive transportation industry. So I'm moving car parts um, from suppliers to automotive plants that then build the cars. Um, if I'm not there to do it, somebody else is doing it. And there's kind of a blank check associated with that. And, um, you know, if, if I can't fill my commitments, um, then essentially they put it out to the spot market and whatever that costs to move that load, we have to absorb as a company because um, it's our, we committed to running, you know, X amount of loads per week. Um, and so if we can't do that, somebody in the market will fill that void. So I don't think there's a risk as far as the supermarkets not being uh, stocked. I saw a much larger risk with the pandemic. Um where you're physically restricting drivers. So like Canada, for example, they required all drivers to be vaccinated. Um, I see that as a much larger threat because now you're, you're shrinking the pool of workers. You're not expanding it. You know, there, there's always going to be less people vaccinated, or there's always going to, I mean, there's, you're, what am I trying to say? There's going to be less people um, in that pool. If you re- make that as, as a requirement, there's not going to be more people. So I see that as a much larger threat. Um, to the supply chain industry, but long term, I don't see there being a threat to the, the supermarket walls being empty unless there's some kind of other existential threat to the market that prevents drivers from working. Um, and right now, I mean, we, we've seen COVID has not wiped out the entire world population. Truck drivers are not dropping left and right. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's an immediate threat to that. I see it more of a economical problem. Um, to where you go to the supermarket and you want to buy, you know, your favorite toilet paper and you just can't afford it anymore. I see that as a much larger threat than there not being the toilet paper there because somebody's going to fill that need. Somebody's going to produce it. Somebody's going to transport it. But what the cost is going to be, that's the question. So, um, yeah, it's 
the good news is, is yeah, I don't see, I don't see us having empty shelves, but the bad news is, is I see us not being able to afford what's on those shelves. Man, without <laughs> even getting to like, like things getting worse, I like last month I put out a tweet within four years, like for sure, I am paying twice as much for groceries now than I was four years ago. So if it's going to yeah. get worse, I'm really not looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's where we're headed. Um, there's just so much money floating around. And I mean, to be honest, our workforce is lazy. The pandemic did not do us justice. Um, you know, everybody wants to work from home. Everybody wants a local job. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I've got local drivers, but I mean, it's, it's hard to convince somebody to get into a truck and drive for three to four weeks at a time um, for four or 500 bucks a week. Um, and so you have to up the price on that and then turn past that along the consumers like we talked about. And um, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's, it's not a good situation because the people that are struggling to pay for groceries now um, are really going to struggle in the future. Um, I think long-term, I mean, everything balances out because if we don't have the money to go buy our groceries, then we demand more from our employers. Um, you know, you, you have to, you, I'm not going to just show up to work and work five days a week. Um, if I can't go to the grocery store and feed my family, I'm going to go find something else to make money. I'm going to start growing crops in my backyard. People are resilient. And they're going to figure it out. And companies have to have a workforce. So they're going to be forced to pay more money. And that's kind of where we're getting into is there's two openings for every one job applicant right now. Um, and so what, you know, we're going to have to raise the, the salaries of people so they can, they're going to show up to work. I mean, you can't decrease. And that's kind of the, that's where I really see the uh, the recession hitting is um, is companies are not going to be able to survive that because if they're already were operating on thin margins um, they're going to be forced to pay more and so if you're not able to convince your supplier or whoever is paying you uh, for the your services you're really in a, a, a tight spot um, and so it's bad and that's that that's what I see as the real problem um, you know they the, the companies are going to have to pay out more money. Um, than they're already paying. We're seeing that right now. And if they can't, if they can't afford that, then they go out of business, unfortunately. That's it. We're going to just see, yeah, enormous capital destruction, basically, as if we didn't already have some of that with the, with the pandemic and everybody having a shit time for a couple of years. Yeah. And it's like, we're just strapping in for another you know another bigger round of it we've just got to get humanity out of this out of this situation and there's just there's just uh it's like shouting fire in a crowded movie theater you know a lot of people are going to get wrecked (laughs) like there's just no way no way around well and that's is what it is we as a society i mean like we live as kings we all live as kings we all have exactly what we want um, you know, we go to McDonald's and we tell them exactly what we want on our burger. We go to a restaurant, we order exactly what we want. We go to the grocery store and we buy the brands that we want. Um, I mean, with Uber, you can have food and, and groceries delivered to anywhere in the United States. You don't even have to leave your home. So um, I, I think we've kind of seen almost the peak of, a, of our market um, where everybody has all their needs met. Everybody has things that they want. Um, and if you look at the past, you look at what our ancestors went through, they didn't have that luxury. You know, um, they had to make do with what they had. Um, and we're so used to this mentality of, you know, I, I want the I want the name brand, um, 
whatever at the grocery store. Um, and you get an entire population used to that. It's going to be a shock when those prices go through the roof. Now, all of a sudden you got to buy the, the one ply toilet paper instead of the triple ply. Like people aren't used to that. And that's going to be the real shock. I think to people is you're going to have to reassess what you spend your money on. It's not going to be this, you know, we've, we've got all I got extra money because that's, that's what we were conditioned as with the pandemic. We were waiting on the government to send us a, another stimulus check and everybody got used to, you know, their government's going to fill up my bank account. Well, what they don't realize is now everybody's got more money in their pocket, which means, I mean, with capitalism, people are going to raise the, the prices, even if they didn't have to, if I can sell a roll of toilet paper for 20 bucks, I'm going to, if people buy it, you know, so I'm not going to sell it for less money just to be nice. Um, and so it, it, that's the, that's the real worry for me is, is the shock to everybody when they can no longer afford those goods. Um, and I think that's, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the market, a lot of pressure on those companies. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see, but we're all going to have to live through it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to it. That that. Sorry to be the the doomsday guy. <laughs> well, at least, at least you, at least you're hearing it here on this podcast. Nothing. Nobody would ever say that this podcast was not uh, giving you the reality of of what's of what's going on. I'm not. Yeah, like you said, it's not about pulling the wool over people's eyes. It's just sometimes the bad news. You got to You got to You got to hear it. You got to hear the bad news, but. Uh, maybe well, it'll it, work it, out it, for the better. I'm an optimistic person, but yeah, I, I, I don't see how it does, unfortunately. Um, no, but I'm opt- I mean, I'm optimistic too. I mean, we're resilient people. We're resilient creatures. We've built a, a, a great society that we all live in. And so I think we make it through this. Um, I just think we make it through it. Um, not as we think we're not going to have the same things that we have. We're not going to be wearing Yeezys on our feet and, um, you know, have North face jackets. Like, it's going to be uh, people are really going to get hurt and they're going to um, that's, that's really where I see society start to break down, but you know, I could be wrong, but what I'm saying, I mean, if I'm having to pay these, you know, truck drivers hundred grand to, to show up to, to do work. I mean, that, that doesn't say a lot for, you know, say you have an office job and you're making $50,000. I mean, your salary is going to have to go up. Yes. But what you can afford with that money is going to be a lot less than what you could afford a couple of years ago, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but we're all gonna we're all gonna live it. Hopefully, Bitcoin Cash is the answer. Hopefully, <laughs> that can provide yeah. some economic sanity at least to the people who who, who jump on it. And uh, yeah, maybe if your your money is degrading that fast, maybe a little bit of BCH volatility <laughs> isn't the worst yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> maybe that's the lesser of two evils. Well, um, I mean, yeah. it, with Bitcoin, you have the you we have the control. I mean who sets the price on things like um, in the future, if, if the dollar runs away and it's, you know, a, a new car is a million bucks, um, you know, it, it, it's simply an exchange of value for, for a good. And so you can kind of name your own price with that. So with Bitcoin, you have the ability to um, control your money. You have the ability to, um, you, know, you don't have a bank that's, it's telling you what you can and can't do with it. Um, and so if I want to sell like, Say for example, I I wanted to undercut the market um, and sell. I I can do that, and I don't have the the pressures um, of the rest of the market by being tied to the dollar. Um, you know, we always think of prices in dollars, or even you know comparing Bitcoin Cash and the price of dollars. But um, you know, I think it's it's actually a really good thing that Bitcoin Cash 
has a very or a low relative um, price point in dollars when the supply of dollars has increased. There's a lot more dollars floating around. Um, and so in theory, that would mean the Bitcoin cash price would go up, but it hasn't. And so that kind of provides a unique opportunity for us to accumulate. Um, you know, I, I don't get into the whole hodl mentality, but if you're just looking at the market, if we've doubled the cash supply in the last five years and the price of Bitcoin cash has been cut in half, that means there's a 4X multiple Forex, on yeah. the value of, of Bitcoin cash. Um, and so that, I mean, to, to people that are listening, it's a great time to start to dollar cost average into it um, and start setting yourself up because that you're, the coins are yours and you can lock them up and use them for whatever you want and exchange it for whatever you want. Um, so I think it's actually a good thing for, for our community. Um, it's a bad thing for, for everybody else, but, um, yeah, that's the beauty of the blockchain. It's the beauty of, of Bitcoin being peer to peer electronic cash. Trying to get, trying to get as many people on the lifeboats as we can. Speaking of community comment of the week comes from the least community member of Bitcoin cash <laughs> ever. Adam Back, who was getting in the mix on Twitter yesterday, uh, Sonny made a post which was about, I've just onboarded a new travel agent. Adam Back, who is the Blockstream, I don't know if he's the CEO, I think, or anyway, he's one of the big wigs, one of the big banker shills, and uh, one of the key cruxes of the whole Bitcoin core machine uh came in with the take it's dead fellas just give it up laughing face emoji and it's just unreal that he is replying to a post of real adoption taking place and he's trying to it's just what what level of delusion is this that is is he trying to convince himself is he is he hoping that we are going to listen oh like what what is Sonny gonna be doing? He's gonna be sitting there in in St. Martin's with the person that is paying the thing and he's gonna check his phone and look on Twitter, Adam Back says this isn't working. He's just gonna to say to the lady at the shop, sorry, shut it all down. I was just joking about all this. <laughs> like I give up, it's not real. We go and I don't know, he 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 came he hit back with uh, Sonny said, we totally agree with you. Yes, BDC is dead. We gave up on it. BCH it is. Sleep well and next time come with a better comment. <laughs> I love that. That's a, that that's, a great, that's a great comment. Sleep well and <laughs> next time come with a better comment because it's just it's just boring. And it's it's been five years. It's, it's all started yeah. in 2017. It's 2022 now. He's still coming to tell us, guys, it's over. He's been telling us for five years that it's over but it's he's still telling us like it's just it's beyond well beyond i mean parody. shout out to adam he, yeah. he's putting a spotlight on us and you know any spotlight's good any press is good um when you have the utility that we have um so no i mean absolutely adam i keep on tweeting about us keep keep on mentioning us keep on giving us that spotlight because um you're not doing yourself any favors um by doing that you're, you're not increasing the market share of BTC by shitting on BCH. Um, if anything, you're going to increase the adoption of BCH and people are going to start looking into BCH. Um, so no, keep it up, Adam. Like, you know, keep it coming. It's just moth to a flame. It's just, he, he can't, he can't restrain. Shortly he would be able to logically 
think through, you know, to have some self-control basically and understand that, yeah, he's just giving us free airtime. He's a massive Twitter account. He's got 450,000 followers or whatever. And so if he's in there raging away about this with his laughing emoji, he, he's clearly, he's not the one <laughs> laughing. We're, we are definitely yeah. the ones laughing in this scenario, I think. Uh, but uh, it's all it's all pretty feeble and pathetic once it's just come down to give up, guys. You know it's over. You know it's over. You know it's over, right? You you know it's over. Like, uh, yeah, take my uh, word for it. Take, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Adam back would be the leading indicator for Bitcoin cash adoption. The more tweets he has, clearly the the more rustling we are becoming. And on a similar theme, meme of the week this week is actually me. I think this is the first time I've ever done this. It's a bit self-indulgent, but I had to uh, I had to put it in there. This one got started with uh, good old Bennett Tomlin, who is a bit of a secret, cheeky, big blocker, no-coiner, I don't know, just general disruptor of the markets. And so he posted simple proof that Bitcoin does not scale trustlessly to a global size. One, using scaling solutions like Lightning trustlessly requires regular base layer transactions. Two, there's nowhere near enough space for everyone to do that, which is essentially just Bitcoin Cash in two lines. But I guess coming out of the mouth of uh, uh, the No Coiner Crypto Critic uh, podcast, it's uh, a bit more disturbing to the Bitcoiners. So the ripples of the of the twitter universe uh carried all the way out to peter mccormack who decided he would get involved and he said many ardent bitcoin supporters agree that the block size might increase in the future just when necessary now this is obviously like delusional when is that gonna what so i made this meme one of my favorite meme formats which is the rock in I think it's called The Race to Witch Mountain or something. I've never seen this movie, but The Rock always says something and then there's just this blonde like teenage girl in the car behind him that tells him some shocking fact that just wrecks his worldview. And then he has the best I'm shocked expression as he realizes, wait, what? I didn't know that. So I made that. So The Rock says, ardent Bitcoin supporters will raise the block size when necessary. And the teenage girl just says they already did. And he's just like wait what <laughs> what and that just summed it all all up in that one like that's that's what people don't people who think btc is going to raise the block said no they never are the bitcoin community already did it it already happened bch is the is the bitcoin with the bigger blocks like i don't know how or when he thinks he's gonna just collect up a few of his mates and try and fork bitcoin and raise the block size but that that, that we had a war over it. It was called the block size, but it went for over two years. And at the end of the day, we couldn't get it done. So how he thinks that after five years of everyone putting laser eyes on their profile, that they're going to get excited about that. It's just, it's just delusional, but I don't know. The, the frogs just cooked at this point. What? Are, yeah. What, what are they going to do? Yeah. No. And I, uh... It, it, you, you can't have this whole discussion that we had from 2015 to 2017 and then immediately flip the switch back around um, because I, I really think that at the core of it, Bitcoin was capped for a reason. 
it wasn't this whole we're scared of you know the hardware we're scared of the block size being too big and not being able to to be used and people can't run nodes no i mean there was a they wanted to create a fee market and they won't admit to that some of them might well, they but... did admit to it for a while yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's hard to come out and say you know you know we want we want transactions to be five dollars a pop um so it's yeah uh, it's it's just kind of sad that we have this kind of manipulation going on because if they do raise the the block size or they, they try to propose it, I mean, the, it's not going to be good because this whole discussion is going to come up again. Um, and I think it really it hurts the space as a whole. I mean, you know, continue to do your thing, Bitcoin, BTC, and, and do your whole lightning layer too. And you know, we'll see how that plays out and then let the best man win. But, you know, we've made our bets and I'm, I'm on the, the big block size and I think people will start to join and jump join our our cause when they see the issues that the lightning network has the whole layer one capped block size has so um uh, you know it, they made their bed and it's just kind of funny that now we're having this discussion again um, yeah you know, it never I, stops it goes it never gone around in circles it's over yeah. adam back you've got adam back saying it's over guys and then in the very you know, thread the day before you've got Peter McCormick saying, no, no, we'll do block size increases. You know, we're yeah. still, it's like, it's a, it's a circus. Uh, just the popcorn would just be immense if there was ever any substantial minority of the Bitcoin BDC community that that's decided they wanted to raise the block. Where are those people? They don't exist. Who is Peter <laughs> McCormick? Just when necessary. What is this? Um, It's like... um. I can't think of the word for it now, but you know, when you just, you just set a date that is so far in the future, like, Oh, we're going to be completely sustainable by 2100 or something. And that just, the whole point is it's complete nonsense, but you've just put a vague thing in the future because then that's what you can point to and just fob people off, you know, it's just, yeah, I I should sell popcorn (laughs) on VCH. Yeah. Bitcoin, Jason, you definitely should. We need that BCH popcorn. That 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 would be a classic. All right, that's it for meme of the week. Then, so final uh, segment, as always, is the message to the community. So, what what does the Bitcoin Cash community need to hear? Um, I think we need to stick to our guns. We need to keep on um, focusing on adoption. Um, and honestly, just staying positive overall. I mean, getting into this mudslinging war between BTC and BCH, and I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm definitely at fault to some of that, but we have to be positive. We have to welcome people in. We have to focus on what's important. And what's important is getting this technology into the hands of people around the world, showing them the benefits of it, um, and doing that in a positive light. Because nobody likes somebody that comes in and, and just starts bashing everything else that they knew, like everybody's heard of Bitcoin at this point. If you just come in and say, you know, this is wrong and this is right. Um, it's a, it, that's not how you win people over by showing people the fundamentals um, and what blockchain can do for their business, what it can do for your personal life. Um, that's how you win people over. And that's what led me to, to be part of this community was, you know, the openness that people are willing to have discussions. I mean, I would go out and post the questions that I had onto the community and let people have feedback, whether it was positive or negative. Um, and so we need to continue to have those discussions. If, if people have questions about the network and questions about the community, speak up and ask them. And if you don't agree with it, don't shoot them down. Just explain you know, why you have your own personal views on it. 
Um, you know, we, we, you don't win a war by turning everybody else against you. Um, you win a war by bringing people on in a positive manner and getting them behind your cause. And we have a great cause. We have the great fundamentals to back it up. We don't need to shit on everybody else to win. We just need to have the opportunity to explain how this technology works and why it's beneficial and we'll win. And that's why long-term, I think Bitcoin Cash is the future, is the global reserve currency of the world, like you say, um, because we have the technology. We don't we don't need to engage in the meme wars. We don't need to engage in mudslinging. We just need to stick to our guns, stay positive, keep pushing the technology out to other people um, and let them make their own decision. If they choose not to use it, so be it. That doesn't make them any less of a person. doesn't make them a good person or a bad person. You have the freedom to make the choices of yourself. But I think long term, people will see the value and then we're going to continue to grow based off that. Yep, that's it. Simple. Just stay. Yeah, stay positive and keep keep doing what because it seems like it's starting to work. And that's something yeah, that I really want to just reinforce to everyone. Just the morale is rising and the momentum is 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 rising because, yeah, it's been a hard grind for the community for a few years. But we're, we're starting we're starting to break through. It's starting to happen uh that nasdaq article and everything all right that'll do it for the show then final slide thank you very much to the donators as always you're the bomb thanks to ricky my one patron start guide faqs links and all that at bitcoin cash podcast uh dot com and shout outs do you have a shout out nick um i mean really really all the adopters and the uh people that are pushing uh, merchant onboarding um you know sunny doing his thing in uh in india ryan and in, in florida roger in the caribbean i mean and there's a lot more than just those people that i mentioned so everybody that's out there pushing um just putting the technology in other people's hands i mean this is why our community is continuing to be successful um if we sat on our hands like the btc community is doing and uh, just kind of banking on the price continuing to go up um that's not how we build a great community so um, you know, shout out to, to everybody that's doing that. Keep it up. Um, I definitely want to get myself more involved in that. Um, so, you know, you guys are the ones laying the groundwork for the rest of the community. And it's good to see people, you know, the Bitcoin Cash hangout, everybody getting together and having feedback. So, um, you now shout out to everybody that's doing that. You guys are, are putting in the hard work and keep it up. Absolutely. Jet, any uh, shout outs this week? I do, which I feel like isn't too common, but. But this one's a special one because it's uh, an extension from having Ryan and Mark on and me complaining about Sheath Underwear not accepting Bitcoin Cash. The madman Ryan got them to do it. Uh, just uh, last week, I got six new pairs. So uh, Sheath Underwear and Ryan, 10 out of 10. I was so excited for them. There you go. Head Heck over yeah. there. Sheath Underwear and Payne PCH. And my shout out goes to jenny who i had on the show a couple of weeks ago because she had this uh party and i went there and i yeah chatted crypto with a bunch of people and it was just a great time so yeah happy birthday to her and uh thanks because i really enjoyed uh coming along to that and i don't know she might listen to the show as well too that'll do it thank you everyone until next time thanks guys greatest story the world has ever known the rise and rise of bitcoin 2022
A single chance for the world, a single moment in time. Bankers capture us all, our cryptocurrency flies. Gets to the side, Phoenix fly from the plane. Bitcoin BCH forever changing the game. An underdog story, everyone trying to deny. Bitcoin revolution, crypto trade on the rise. Then they stole our brand name and tried to push us aside. Cause they said it was over, that we'd never survive. Maybe there was a world that was the end of the ride. But this kind of hero's journey is refusing to die. So we picked up the shovels and headed back to the mine. Started over from scrap, finding fresh dynamite. Flipping over the board, drew up fresh battle lines. Set the difficulty right and forked a couple more times. Budgets got flashed with prices on the decline. While the faithless gave up, but the project survived. An unstoppable will kept the blockchain alive. And community grit simply arrested the slide. Suffered plenty of hate from doubters on the sidelines. Drew on passionate drive where strength comes from inside. So this is your notice written down in these rhymes. You can stick with your bank or you can move with the times. Join us now or later on, cause I really don't mind. If you can't see it happening, must be my optically blind. Fake money melts, that's infinite supply So we're going to rule, that's cryptographically signed Fuck your institution banks, we'll fund it all on our dime It's not a matter of price, it's just a matter of pride A single chance for the world, a single moment in time Bankers capture us all, our cryptocurrency flies Gets to decide, Phoenix